Welcome to episode one of This is Texas Wine, the podcast that gives you a deeper look at the Texas wine industry. I'm your host, Shelley Wilfong. On today's podcast, I'll tell you why Texas needs a wine podcast and what to expect from this one. Texas wineries have been in the news lately. We'll look at those stories, and in our educational segment, I'll share a few of my favorite wine podcasts. Finally, I'll tell you what wine I'm drinking on our inaugural episode. Thanks for joining me. I'm excited to be bringing you the first episode of This is Texas Wine. I'm a huge podcast consumer, and I listen to a lot of wine podcasts. I'm always thrilled when I see Texas wine discussed on a podcast, but lately it's just not happening very frequently. I'm recording this in June 2020. People have been joking that during this quarantine for the pandemic, they've reached the end of Netflix. Well, it didn't take me long at all to reach the end of the wine podcast on which Texas wine was discussed, so I decided I'd start a Texas wine podcast. I'm a recovering business consultant, so of course I went through the process of putting together a business plan. These are some of the reasons that I've decided to start a Texas wine podcast. First, I want to promote Texas wine and fill the Texas wine void in the podcasting medium. Although there are some brand-specific podcasts, there isn't currently a Texas wine podcast that spans across brands. Next, I'd like to engage a Texas wine-loving community. I see the love for Texas wine increasing, and I find that people are hungry for more information. I'd also like to provide wine education for consumers. I love talking to people about Texas wine and providing wine education. I think our enjoyment of wine increases when we know more. The education on this podcast will be Texas-specific. I also think we should attract new Texas wine drinkers. I've discovered that there are 21.3 million Texans over the age of 21, and a 2019 Gallup poll tells us that 65% of the population drinks alcohol. So, we have a potential Texas wine market of 13.8 million people. How many of those do you think currently drink Texas wine? And that's to say nothing of people in other states who will want to drink Texas wine after they try it. Of those that drink alcohol, 30% of Americans prefer wine, 38% prefer beer, and 29% prefer liquor. So, I've decided that my target market for this podcast is the 4.1% million Texans who prefer wine. I'd also like to promote Texas as a wine travel destination. I think Texas has done a pretty good job of that already, but specifically, I'd like to talk about how people who love wine can travel better around the state. Of course, Fredericksburg and the Hill Country come immediately to mind, but we'll also take a look at other destinations around the state. The nice thing about podcasts is that they reside online basically forever, so they can be discovered by new listeners even years from now. Next, I'll tell you a little bit about my story. For the past few years, I've been doing freelance writing for the Texas Wine Lover website. I got the job writing for Texas Wine Lover on a fluke, responding to a Facebook post by Jeff Cope, the Texas Wine Lover editor. I have always enjoyed writing and was looking for a way to get more involved in the wine industry. I'd been studying wine for several years and doing some blogging. Through my association with Texas Wine Lover, I've gotten to do some really cool wine-related things all across the state. I've reviewed some great wines, gone to some fun wine dinners, attended winery openings, attended two Texoms, the Sommelier Conference that happens out in Las Colinas each summer. I've attended the first annual Wonder Women of Wine Conference in Austin. I've gotten to harvest grapes, and I've also gotten to write some stories about the business of wine. But the best thing that's come out of it is really meeting great people that work in the Texas wine industry. I've come to love writing and creating wine content, but I'm not trained as a journalist. I'm trained in business. 
I haven't been able to learn everything about Texas wine, and I'm certainly not an industry insider. But I am an enthusiastic guide for this journey. I have a pretty good feel for the wine industry, and I've sure met a lot of great people that are doing the hands-on work across the state. I have a number of wine certifications. I started studying wine seriously in 2015, first by taking the Certified Specialist of Wine exam that's offered by the Society of Wine Educators. Then I started studying with Dilek Kaner, Master of Wine, through the Dallas Wine Education Center. I'm certified Level 3 through the WSET, which is the Wine and Spirit Education Trust. I also have the only Texas-specific wine certification. It's called Specialist in Texas Wine, and it's issued by the Texas Wine School. That one was taught by Russ Kane, the author of the Wine Slinger Chronicles. Russ has traveled the state extensively, written a couple of books, and he blogs about Texas wine at VintageTexas.com. I took that class a few years ago in Comfort, Texas, and learned a lot and got to taste a lot of great Texas wines. In addition to writing about wine, I've started a small business doing wine education events in Dallas and started a group called the Dallas Women's Wine Club. It's a wine education group that meets monthly. So podcasting combines talking to people about wine and creating a type of content that I think will fit my skill set well. It's a mix of writing and teaching about wine and business that really appeals to me. I'll be following the wine news closely and bringing in relevant interviews. I'm doing this because I think Texas deserves a podcast that will amplify what's right about Texas wine. During each podcast, you'll hear a number of different segments. You'll hear news about Texas wineries. I'll be constantly scanning news sources to see what's going on, and we'll share that with you. Then for each episode, there'll also be a main segment that's either an interview or just me talking, exploring a topic that's of interest to the wine community. There will usually be a Texas wine education segment. It might be education on grape varieties, wine production, or grape growing regions. And finally, you'll get to hear what I'm drinking. I'll share information about the producer, the wine, and tell you why I've picked it. It's the same kind of information that I share when I do my in-person classes. Throughout all of these podcast segments, you can expect to hear information not only about Texas wine itself, but about the business of wine. We'll also throw in some information about wine country travel, restaurants that support Texas wine, and so much more. That's my current plan, subject to change, of course, as the show develops, and I'd love to hear your feedback. Coming up next, Texas Wine News. Congrats to Coleman Cellars, which is in Stonewall, Texas, just east of Fredericksburg. Coleman won five medals at Concourse International de Lyon, a wine competition in Lyon, France. Their top awards were gold medals for the 2018 Estate Culmination Wine. That's a white wine that's a blend of Marsan and Roussan. And the 2018 Texas High Plains Viognier. The three silver medal winners are the 2016 Reserve Merlot a 2017 Marl, which is a proprietary red blend, and the 2017 Sangiovese from the Newsom Vineyards. Those are all from the Texas High Plains. This is particularly exciting because Coleman's winemaker, Benedict Rhine, is French. This re- recognition was written up in Forbes.com, among other publications. There's also a lot of news lately about online wine sales. 
The experts seem to agree that online wine sales are here to stay. Gus Clemens is a Texan writer, and he recently published an article that's titled, It's a Fine Time to Buy Wine Online, and it appeared in papers in San Angelo and Abilene. He explains why these direct-to-consumer sales are particularly important for Texas wineries. He says that they give consumers access to wine that you could never, ever purchase from a neighborhood store. He says curated bottles from wine clubs are economic salvation for small wineries with no access to distributors. It gives consumers freedom to search and explore the infinite world of wine. It's a paraphrase, but he had great things to say, and that sounds like great news for Texas consumers. I'll link to those articles in the show notes. That reminds me, I spent a lot of time logged on to Texas wineries, happy hours, and Zoom calls, and various other tastings during the quarantine, and I've created a special handout that gives you my top 10 Texas wine tasting experiences. It's a downloadable guide, and if you'd like a copy of it, please sign up for the podcast newsletter. You can do that on my website. The website address is www.thisistexaswine.com. You'll see that one of the tabs at the top is Newsletter Sign Up. And after you sign up, the document will be emailed to you to download. You can see what I've been drinking and what I'm planning to drink next. Again, the website is www.thisistexaswine.com and then click on Newsletter Sign Up. Continuing on with wine news, two Texas wineries are mentioned in a May Wine Spectator article about reopening after COVID-19 tasting room closures. The May 14th article talks about how wineries in Pennsylvania, Virginia, Missouri, and Texas are easing toward reopening starting in May. The article opens with a quote by Julie Culkin, the co-founder of Pedernalis Cellars. She says, I do think eventually things will go back to normal, but it is really difficult to read into that crystal ball. And she goes on to talk about their plans for reopening and other wineries also weigh in. The author talks about uh, how reopening is really critical because specifically wine wineries that do not have wide distribution are so reliant on tasting room sales, winery events, and wine festivals. And of course, all of those things have been put on hold since the COVID-19 closed tasting rooms and canceled so many events. Chris Brendret is also quoted. The article goes on to say, Chris Brendret, co-owner of William Chris Vineyards in Texas, noted that while new online strategies had been discussed at the winery, the crisis demanded their use well in advance of their original rollout dates. Quote, we've been able to pivot in many ways, and we have been able to connect with new fans, said Brendret. And the article also closes with a quote from Chris Brundrett. He says, we have a saying for the winery. I hope, I hope we're open by Christmas, but hope is not a plan. I will also link to that, although it may be behind a paywall at Wine Spectator. William Chris has done a really exceptional job during this quarantine time with consumer education. Specifically, Dee Thompson, the director of wine education, was doing daily Facebook Live 
and co-owner Chris Brendret and his wife Catherine were also doing weekly Facebook Live related to a specific tasting pack that people could order from the winery. And this commitment to outreach and education was definitely noticed by plenty of media, both inside the state and outside. Food and Wine picked it up, as did Texas Monthly. While the frequency of these events has decreased, they're still going on, so you can check their social media to see when they are scheduled. They also opened their wine club to new members. It had previously been full, but they opened it up, and as of today, it is still open. And one of the benefits is currently that the winery is closed right now, and it's only open to members. On that note, I do want to mention that if I ever do have an ad on this podcast, I will always mention it. Anything that I say is my opinion, and if I do have a paid advertisement, I will make it clear that it's an advertisement. Now, I mentioned that I listen to a lot of wine podcasts, and I do mean a lot. I subscribe to probably 10 or 12, although I admit that I only listen to them when the topic is of a particular interest to me. Now, when I was studying for some of my wine exams, I listened to some that were more educational in nature, and now other types of wine podcasts are of more interest to me. Mike Dunn reported in the Sacramento Bee in an article in 2018 that podcasts are actually driving Uh, purchase decisions, specifically in the millennial population. He also had a list of some great wine podcasts that I'll link to in the show notes. And the April 2020 issue of Wine Enthusiast also had an article that lists some great wine podcasts called Podcasts for Every Wine Lover from Beginners to Experts. One of these podcasts on the Wine Enthusiast list that I'm looking at as an example of what this Texas wine podcast can be is called Decanted. And it's a podcast out of Washington State. As far as Texas wine podcasts go, many Texans know Mark Rayshap, the former host of the old radio show Another Bottle Down, that could be heard on Austin Public Radio. It wasn't exclusively a Texas wine podcast, but it had quite a few episodes that focused on Texas wine, and it ran for three years and ended in 2019. Texas Wine Lover, the website that I often write for, also had a podcast, and you can still hear those episodes on the Texas Wine Lover website, which is txwinelover.com, but it is not currently recording new episodes. So as I mentioned at the start of the show, there's not currently a Texas Wine podcast that spans across brands. There is a Coleman Sellers YouTube show that has recorded three episodes starting in uh, March of 2020. And there's also a Keepersall Texas podcast that I found on Apple Podcasts that started back in 2018. But the last episode was in fall 2019. It's not all about wine, but all about Keepersall in general, the restaurant, the bed and breakfast, and local events in Tyler. So if you're interested in Texas wine, podcasts and vodcasts, as they're called, you may want to check those out. But now there's This is Texas Wine. There's plenty of material about Texas wine. So I hope that you'll spread the word about this podcast and let me know what you think. Now I'd like to move on to what I am drinking. For this inaugural episode of This is Texas Wine, I thought I would start with a wine that is a nod to the history of Texas wine. 
I'm drinking the McPherson sparkling wine. It's a 100% Chenin Blanc from McPherson Cellars. The McPherson family has been a leader in Texas grape growing and winemaking for over 40 years. So many people in the Texas wine circles know Kim McPherson, but Kim's father, Doc McPherson, was considered one of the fathers of the modern Texas wine industry. Back in 1976, he was a a chemistry professor at Texas Tech, and he co-founded Yano Estacado Winery with Bob Reed, who was a horticulture professor at Texas Tech. And this was the first post-prohibition winery in Texas. So in the year 2000, the McPherson Cellars label was created to honor Doc McPherson. So I purchased this wine at Four Point Cellars in Fredericksburg, which is a collaborative tasting room between Lost Oak, Brennan, and McPherson. You can taste wines from all of those wineries under one roof. You can also get it from the winery. So sparkling wine is a little bit rare in Texas, or it used to be more rare. It seems like everybody's coming out with sparkling now, or at least uh, Pet Nat. We'll talk more about what that is later. But this one is unique because it's a joint effort between Kim McPherson and his brother John, who's a winemaker in Southern California, made from Texas Chenin Blanc, and the process to make it sparkling is done in California. It retails for about $30. And I'll tell you a little bit about Chenin Blanc. The classic characteristics of Chenin Blanc are yellow apple, plum, ginger, and a little bit of floral notes. So it's widely grown around the world, but specifically known in the Loire Valley in France and also in South Africa. I've had lovely sparkling Chenin Blanc from the Loire, specifically from Vouvray. And in Texas, Chenin Blanc is the 10th most popular white grape by acreage. But it is a grape that's in decline in Texas. There are about 50 acres of Chenin Blanc across the state as of 2019. This wine was a huge hit with my Dallas Women's Wine Group. We tasted it in December in a lineup of all sparkling wines from around the world. And people loved it just uh, on the taste alone, but they also love the value. So you might want to check it out, try it out. There are only about 790 cases made. We are nearing the end of our first podcast, and there are a couple things that I would ask you to do for me, if you will. The first is to subscribe to this podcast. Subscribe on your podcast app, and that way you won't miss an episode. You can even ask Siri to subscribe you. The second is to go to our website and subscribe to our newsletter, as I mentioned already in the show, by going to www.thisistexaswine.com. If you click on the newsletter sign up and input your email information, you will get our handout by email. And that handout will give you my top 10 Texas wine wins during quarantine. So you can see what I've been drinking and what I'm anxious to drink next. The website also tells you how to connect with me on social media. I have the handle Texas Wine Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. That's at Texas Wine Pod. My show notes are on the website, too. That's where you'll find links for the wineries, the stories, and the other resources that I've talked about during this episode. And I can't wait to hear what you thought of this episode and what you'd like to hear about next. So please connect with me on social media. And I sure thank you for listening to this episode of This is Texas Wine. 
Cheers, y'all.